This is Howard Anderson, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today we're talking to Roger Baker, Assistant Secretary for Information and Technology at the Department of Veterans Affairs, about security for mobile technologies. Thanks for joining us today, Roger. Thanks, Howard. Good to be here. Until recently, when it comes to mobile devices, the VA has offered staff only BlackBerry smartphones and laptops. Now you're beginning to offer iPhones and iPads as well. So what were the concerns that led you to hold off on using these devices until now, and why did you decide to offer the new devices at this point? The main concern has been security. You know, one of the things that we absolutely require is that if we're putting any VA information, in particular veterans' uh, personal health or personal privacy information, on any kind of a mobile device, that it has to be encrypted. With the things you mentioned, with uh, with Blackberries and with laptops, we had available full unit encryption. On a, on a laptop, we encrypt, encrypt the entire disk. And on a Blackberry, we encrypted the entire uh, media for that unit. The way that the newer devices are built, they don't offer full disk level encryption or full storage level encryption, and that caused us a fair amount of, of issues in determining that we could adequately secure veterans' information. Uh, we wrestled through that uh, and have gotten to the point where we understand how to do that and have embarked on a path to get there. Why now is probably uh, something that's been obvious to people for two years. These are extremely popular devices. About a year ago, what I told my folks was, we're going to have to say yes, figure out how to say that now instead of saying no for the next three or four years and then have to do it on somebody else's terms. So we determined that we could meet the security requirements, and I'm certain we'll see an awful lot of demand from our clinicians to use them in uh, serving veterans. Please describe the status of the rollout of iPhones and iPads. How many devices will be deployed initially, and ultimately how many do you think you'll eventually use? And what will be the primary purposes for which the devices will be used? We had been running uh, about 100-person pilots up until October 1st, uh, on October 1st, we made support for the devices generally available. We'll have a limited rollout for the next three or four months, about 1,500 devices. From there, I think the demand is going to be very high. Uh, I think it will be, for us, probably in excess of 100,000 devices over the next 18 months. To address that, uh, I expect that we will find a way to say yes to devices that individuals bring. Uh, rather than ones that the government has to buy. Clearly, I, I don't believe the government will buy that number of, uh, of mobile devices, but we know that uh, many of our employees and many of the residents that come to us to do medical care in our associations with the colleges already bring those type of devices of their own type of personal device. And we're just wrestling with the issues of being able to allow those devices to, uh, to access information as well. And the primary purposes for which they'll be used, at least initially, are what? Well, I'd say there are, uh, there are two main modalities in there. One is, you know, the classic administrative use that you've seen for uh, other mobile devices, email, scheduling, uh, being able to, to just communicate administrative things. The much more interesting one for us is the concept of a clinician, a medical care provider, being able to carry a very user-friendly device with them from visit room to visit room and, and doing their rounds. So they've got a persistent information store 
and that they've got, frankly, a number of applications available to them as they look at that information and do analysis on that medical information. We really see a substantial clinical use for the newer mobile devices, and I would expect to, uh, you know, to see in the long run a phase out of desktop computers and a phase in of mobile walk-around type devices. Initially, you talked about security concerns. Could you describe how you'll apply encryption for these uh, new devices? Will you require the use of encryption that complies with the Federal Information Processing Standard 140-2 as is required on other government mobile devices? And will that encryption come from a third party or from Apple? So as to the last one, I can tell you uh, I, I don't care who it comes from. To this point, we have determined that every application we want to field uh, actually does meet the FIPS 140-2 standard. So we're very, very pleased with that. And, yes, and any time any there's any chance of any information relative to a veteran being stored on the device, that storage must be encrypted. We're also requiring two passwords, uh, one for access to the device and one for access to each individual application. The application will be doing the encryption, and, we'll, and uh, we've also found so far that the applications are, uh, are managing the encrypted tunnel for communications back to, uh, to the host. But all in all, in order to be uh, approved for use, an application is going to have to store any information uh, in that encryption standard, and it's going to have to uh, make certain that it's, it meets all of the security standards that, that uh, we think are necessary to ensure that there's adequate protection for veterans' information. Okay, could you clarify a bit uh, under what circumstances users will be able to store personal information on the devices, and also how will you use a, a mobile device manager to enforce your various policies that you're describing? We envision two different types of applications from the device. One set of applications really is just being able to use the device to come in through a viewer to look at our standard applications. And we've fielded that with these devices, and it works well. No information is getting stored on the device, but it's not as fast and as friendly uh, as a native application is on the device. The other things that we're seeing are with email and with some medical applications that, that we're developing. Those applications will store information on the device. That information will be encrypted with the FIPS standard, and it will be password protected with a strong password that keeps anyone who might get unauthorized access from accessing that information. We certainly will uh, have the ability to and will exercise the ability to wipe devices if we determine in any way, shape, or form that, that their status isn't known, that we don't know that they're with their authorized user. And that really is part of the, uh, the mobile device manager, but the mobile device manager in particular uh, will manage which devices have been authorized to connect to uh, our network. It will verify that no software that we believe causes any kind of compromise to the device is there. For example, if an uh, an iOS, an Apple iOS device has been, uh, uh, has had a jailbreak performed on it, what's known as a jailbreak. The device will be immediately wiped for any information and will not be allowed access to the VA network until that issue is resolved through the local information security officer. So the MDM is going to play a pretty critical role for us 
every device before it's allowed to connect to the network will go through the MDM, and the MDM will verify that it's only running software that we have approved and that all the policies on the device are still implemented as they're specified to be for access to the network. I'm going to just point out one of the benefits from saying yes early is you get to qualify the way that you say yes. And so we found that our users are, are uh, in general, pretty happy with the concept of, yes, you can use the device, but here are the terms for doing it. I think it goes back to, you know, had we waited a few more years and been forced into this, we'd have had a much harder time being viewed as taking positive steps while implementing some fairly tight uh, restrictions on what can be on the device and how the device can be used. So it's important to get out there and say yes early. Eventually, you expect to offer an app store that will provide applications approved for use within the department. So when's that likely to happen? What kind of apps do you anticipate making available? What can we look for? I really don't have a time frame for you on this. We have now uh, an applications development group that is standing up that will, uh, in effect, set all the policies and procedures for verifying apps that are VA certified. And there are, there are issues on both sides. One is, clearly from an IT perspective, we want to make certain that they don't do anything that will compromise our security uh, and, that, and that they're supportable. But even more importantly, on the medical side, the medical folks are going to make certain that any app that goes out to VA clinicians or with any kind of a VA banner on it is based on evidence-based medicine. You know, there are, there are tons and tons of medical apps available for download onto these devices. Some of the, uh, the basis that these apps are built on is, let's just say, I mean, I'm not a clinician, but I think a clinician would say questionable. If we're going to provide an app for our clinicians to use, there will be evidence-based medicine behind it. Like, for example, the app that's out there right now from the VA, the uh, PTSD coach, you know, that app uh, has very strong evidence behind it for how it helps folks that may be suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder deal with the various facets of, of, uh, of that issue. Now, am I correct in understanding that initially in these first few months you're not allowing staff to use their personally owned iPhones and iPads, um, but that will change over time? And what are the primary security concerns involved in allowing personal devices and how will you address those? The, the personal device issue is not really a technical one. It is a legal one. We're establishing what it is we have to have the user sign relative to their personally owned device that will ensure, for example, I have the right to wipe any VA information off it at my discretion. It will ensure that if the device needs to be looked at for some reason, we'll have access to it. And so the, the issues that we wrestle with are less around the security of the devices because we think we can handle that. It's more around the uh, legal aspects of what level of control do we need to have as the government in order to ensure that all the right things are, are happening with the device when it connects to us or when it contains veterans' information. So, for example, in the near term, we're looking at, in essence, saying to folks, here are the things that we know we have well controlled and that cause us no problems if you access them from your personal device. For example, it may be that we, um, that we turn on only the viewer 
for people to access her personal device in the beginning because we know that no veteran's information is getting onto the device with that. It may be that we allow the, uh, the email client that is FIPS 140-2 encrypted uh, to be used because we, can, we have good filters that tell us when privacy information is being emailed. If it's not encrypted, you know, we have the ability to flag that. So we're just looking at what we can do with good confidence down that path. We didn't feel like it was urgent to have that be part of the first wave of what we do with iPads. And we want to be cautious, follow a lot of due process to make certain that we do this the right way. We don't need any hiccups with veterans' information because that would certainly cause a major issue. So we're going to make certain that we're very cautious from that front. So is it safe to say you'll begin phasing in, as you described it, these personally owned devices next year then, not this year? Correct. But I would think probably earlier next year rather than later next year. All right. So when will you consider offering um, to accommodate other brands of tablets and smartphones, either owned by the VA or personally owned? And how will you go about determining which ones are next? The easy answer to that is that we're open to anything that uh, that we get some significant demand from users for. I would expect that we will figure out how to do the same sort of thing with Android devices once, if you will, once the enterprise-wide uh, mobile device manager is in there, once we start expanding the, uh, the Apple device capability. It's a different animal, and so the security issues are, uh, are somewhat different. Yeah, I'd, I'd say the process goes along these lines, which is, you know, as we see demand from our user base, we'll go through and do an analysis of the operating system and the fundamentals of the device and determine a way that we can offer secure access to information from those devices to our users. It's possible that we would determine that we couldn't uh, adequately secure a device and therefore would determine that we, uh, that we wouldn't use it. I don't know of any that we think are going to fit in that category at this point. You know, as we go through, it's kind of demand-based. We'll just look at the devices as they come along from that demand base. Okay, finally then, did last week's BlackBerry outage affect the VA at all? And uh, if so, what adjustments did you have to make to cope with it? So I got a real good lesson in probability last week. If one in three BlackBerries are affected by the outage, what's the probability that the Secretary's BlackBerry will be affected by the outage? It's 100%. So, yeah, the uh, last week's outage definitely uh, affected us. Yeah, as I said, it, it was affecting about one in three of our Blackberries. They're important to us from a mobility standpoint, but we also had cell phones, uh, laptops, and other things to utilize. So I would not call it a, uh, a huge outage for us. You know, we looked at whether or not there are ways to mitigate that, and I think realistically – the main mitigation here is, uh, is something that we've been talking about all along, which is diversity. Uh, as we diversify our, uh, our access methods, we will see less and less impact from, uh, from outages along those lines. Well, thanks very much. We've been talking today with Roger Baker of the Department of Veterans Affairs. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks so very much for listening.